This podcast contains explicit content. A hardly focused production. You are listening to one full hour of rip roaring rap music. The balance beam. Prepare to engage. Yeah, hi, am I on the air? Yep. Fuck. The Ack and Jack Show. The Ack and Jack Show. Those two damn boys, Buford and Bernardo. get a text from my girlfriend and all it says is you are a slut (laughs) well i mean we all knew that no context there's there's nothing behind that so that's that's something i'm gonna have to look at later on and figure out why i'm a slut Mm -hmm. but i tell you what i'm a a little worried about being a slut probably all that sex you've been having with random partners all that hog i've been sucking yeah uh, welcome to the Ack and Jack show. That's how we kick off this episode. And uh, Ack, the last time that we did an installment of the Ack and Jack show, it featured, uh, I believe Zach Ward was here, Nate Fillers was here as well. And uh, uh, maybe 20 minutes into the episode, you <laughs> disappeared because your power went out because there were storms rolling through. Yep. You never returned. Mm-hmm. And we never called any attention to it during the episode. <laughs> so, so, so for all intents and purposes, you, you were there the whole time. You were just silent for the remaining one hour and forty-five minutes that we were recording. Giac, you look like you've got something to say. Do you? <laughs> Again, just imagine looking at the Zoom screen and see you just like uh, float out of frame but then you you also see like the edge of the cell the animation cell that has like the production code on it and everything (laughs) Uh, yeah i think even zach said something at the end of the episode too and i'm like what are you what are you you talking about ak has been here the whole time he's been talking this whole time yeah i wanted to get really elaborate and i didn't think uh i didn't didn't think i had a time to do this but figure out what it was we were talking about and what you were saying and then have you like immediately just start and pick up from that moment on. Yes. Just, <laughs> wait, wait where, where, where am I? Wait, what year is it? <laughs> um, it's like, uh, I think it was boy meets world. Um, a, a show that suffered from, uh, briefly suffered from Chuck Cunningham syndrome where the little sister was written out of the show, I think for two years, two seasons. <laughs> and when she returned, she was uh, a different actress was portraying her and her first line upon making her reappearance was, wow, that was the longest time out ever. <laughs> God. Wow. And then, you know, I'll give those the, the, the Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World people credit because then Girl Meets World, you know, decades later comes about. And in the final episode of that show, uh, the sister appears, uh, cameo appearance, except both actresses are present who played her and they're both playing her. And, and people are like addressing like, hey, Morgan, hey, Morgan. And oh, my God. And, and no one is calling any attention otherwise to the fact that there's two women there. <laughs> That's actually really clever. Yeah. Um, I always enjoy metatextual stuff like that. I remember there's an episode of House where uh, House is like in a coma 
and having all these weird visions. And then they have this one scene where there's a scene transition and then they're talking normally like you normally would after a scene transition. And then suddenly he looks around and goes, wait a minute, how did we get here? We were just sitting in a different room a moment ago and now suddenly we're here. And I just think that's funny. I, I like that kind of acknowledgement of, yeah, this is normal in a TV show, but in real life, if you were suddenly in a different scene, you'd start screaming, like, what the fuck just happened? How did I transition from one place to the other? There's uh, people in the in the biz uh, and support to them because they're all striking now, but there, there's there's mm -hmm. people who, who their whole job is to maintain that continuity and they have to make sure that like, okay, this scene that we filmed five days ago uh ack was wearing this color shirt and this color pants and his hair was swept off to the right so we need to make sure because this scene takes place chronologically right afterwards that you're wearing that same outfit and you look the same mm -hmm. yeah uh, shout out to a deep cut project of yours from uh high school your uh what was it um my weird, weird science parody yes where it includes a scene where you just suddenly look down and go wasn't i wearing a different pair of pants yeah, so <laughs> i i was thinking of that exact thing and i'm very happy you mentioned that yeah it's, it was my unofficial sequel to weird science and uh uh the, the the scene begins with fro and i walking down the stairs in our high school and i'm wearing a red shirt and uh uh shorts khaki shorts and i tell fro i have to go meet with my math teacher and then the next scene is me with my math teacher who very graciously appeared to do uh, uh agreed to do a cameo appearance in this this student film as it were mm -hmm. uh and i'm wearing the same shirt but now i'm wearing jeans because <laughs> this, this scene was done uh like a week several weeks later uh but then the follow-up scene was filmed at the same time as the previous one. So we returned to the set of stairs where Fro somehow managed to prop himself up on the railing mm -hmm. and was sleeping. And I approach I him. Remember that. I approach him and I, I wake him up violently. And then I look down and say, wasn't I wearing pants? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, we filmed a lot of scenes, not only, uh, I think we tried to film everything largely in chronological order, but there were a lot of costume changes that happened just by necessity. And we also had no script. Right. So everything, <laughs> everything was, I just told everybody like, look, this is what's going to happen in the scene. We're otherwise just going to improvise because I'm lazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love meta humor though. I love jam. I love meta humor. That is, um, uh, I, I, I'm aligned with you. That's one of my favorite, uh, things to see in in television shows even in movies mm -hmm. uh the hulk or uh, uh she hulk rather on disney plus mm -hmm. great example lots of fourth wall breaking and lots of in jokes meta humor yeah. um i liked it i like that show too um uh, and i got a very polarizing response but uh uh in this room somewhere in this room i have a copy of she hulk number one from 1974 whoa so in a, in a box somewhere. So I'm sure it's worth uh, several tens of dollars. <laughs> and, and and also on the topic of people who are fans of things, I remember going back to our, our student film, our weird science sequel, your father, I think, was the only person that liked that movie. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he watched it. He was a big fan of it. And he begged me for a copy of it. He's gonna. Uh, but. Uh, yeah. 
but uh, uh, and I and I think I gave it to him. If I didn't, then uh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, before I forget, there is uh, uh, another episode of uh, I, I let's call it a quasi episode of Hardly Focus because I I think it's it's going to be part of the Hardly Hardly Focus feed, but it's also going to be co- cobbled together in such a way that it's also going to be used elsewhere. But a uh, friend of the show, uh, fellow Solid Listen Podcast Network show host David Baxter uh, and I got together and recorded a two-hour-long recap of a show I thought I would never, ever watch, ever, mm-hmm. and that being The Real Housewives of New York City. Okay. There, there's a, uh, a new season of the show. I guess it was uh, canceled after 13 seasons and then rebooted for the 14th where there's an entirely new cast and... Uh, the, the prospect was floated to me of doing a, a recap of the show. And I thought to myself, well, um, I'm, I'm the last person anyone would ever expect to watch something like this. I've never watched any of these shows before. So uh, let's just see how that goes. And uh, was it like a sincere watch and recap or like, uh, were you riffing it? Like having fun with it? <laughs> uh, y- uh, yes to both, actually. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I watched in all sincerity. I took notes. I paid attention to things. But at the same time, I was making fun of everybody who was on that show. And so was David. So, um, I mean, I've also been I've been watching Vanderpump Rules, but that's been like all over the news and people that don't know anything about Vanderpump Rules are talking about Scandal. So uh, so there's that. I've heard you mention Vanderpump Rules and we don't have to get into it now, but I have absolutely no idea what that is. I've never heard it before outside the context of you talking about it. Uh, I've watched several dozen episodes of this show and Mm -hmm. I still have no idea what it's about. Is it a reality show? It is a reality show, yeah. Is is there a man named Vanderpump, and does he or she rule? Uh, there's a woman named Vanderpump, Lisa Vanderpump. Vanderpump. Okay, yeah. She's from uh, Real Housewives of uh, somewhere. Okay. <laughs> I want to say Orange County. Uh, Real Housewives of Orange County. Um, and this was a spinoff. Vanderpump's a spinoff of uh, that show, where she is a restaurateur, and so is her husband. Okay. So the show focuses around the uh, the absolute clowns and cartoon characters that she's hired to uh, uh, ru- work in her restaurant. I don't think any okay. of them even work in her restaurants now. They're all they've all like started their own businesses, but they're all still together, screwing each other, and uh, um, just representing the best that America has to offer. Nice. A real uh, Amy's baking company of a uh, of an enterprise. Oh my good god. I wow, you pulled that one out of the ether. Yep. Holy crap, I forgot all about that. I wonder what? how she's doing. Her what? and her probably fraud <laughs> convicted uh, partner. What okay was that a was that kitchen nightmares? Yeah. Yeah, that was Gordon Ramsay. And what was the whole thing about? She was just like she she was uncooperative, right? Like she and her husband just wouldn't like listen to anything that Ramsey was telling them. Yeah, my my from what I remember, her baking was actually quite good. Her her food was was well done. And when he when he tasted it, he goes, "Huh, I don't know what the problem is here." But then she was just such like a mean and like conspiratorial person, like 
being very rude to all of her employees and accusing them of stealing from her and just like very weird, uh, completely antisocial behavior, like screaming at customers all the time. And finally, when he kept saying, you need to stop doing that. And she kept going, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, then he, I think it was like the first time he ever said, I, I can't do this anymore. Episode over. Bye. Uh, I'm I'm looking up uh, pretty much a where are they now about that, but I do want to correct mm-hmm. myself because I'm sure the all all the fine people who uh, listen to Saul listen podcast network programming are uh, uh, calling for my head right now. Lisa Vanderpump from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, Shane, the other the other part of Los Angeles. Right, right, right. Completely different. Yes, monster. Yes. You're, you either if you're rich, you either live in Beverly Hills or Orange County or pretty much anywhere in California because you need to be a trillionaire to live there these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK, uh, this coming from the Wikipedia's. Um, oh, uh, her husband, Sammy, got deported in 2018. Whoa. So they had to move to I feel like we probably knew that and then just forgot about it. Yeah, they had to move to uh, Israel 2018. Uh, Amy's ba- baking company closed in 2015. Uh Develop uh, the development stemmed from problems with the building's former landlord and not the TV series. Uh, wow. In 2021, Amy Buzgalu gave an interview to the New York Post discussing her experience on uh, Kitchen Nightmares. She alleged that the, pl- the production staff had rearranged ingredients in the kitchen and sabotaged their POS system. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. The customers recruited by the producers were also allegedly the same ones who had left negative reviews beforehand. Uh, she Did also say so. She also defended taking waiters' tips, saying they were paid fourteen dollars an hour. Uh, she also said that the decision to have production end after one day was hers, not Ramsey's or the producers, and that she asked that the episode not air. Uh, okay, so it sounds like she is still a psychopath. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and take all of that with a very large grain of salt. That is uh, some absolute flagrant uh, uh, mental illness. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm also, I'm almost kind of relieved that nothing has uh, changed in that regard. <laughs> so, uh, Nature is healing. Wow, thank you for pulling that one out. I, uh, mm-hmm. man, of of like repressed memories. Jesus Christ, <laughs> that was like ten years ago now, too. Yeah, God, I just now now we're getting to, getting to the point where I'm now being reminded of things that were featured heavily on this podcast ten years ago. Yeah. Oh boy. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of shit, this literally popped up on my phone before we started uh, recording here. CNN. According to CNN, uh, if, if you uh, only take a dump every three days, uh, there's, uh, I guess, links to cognitive decline. Okay, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Being chronically <laughs> constipated, defined by the authors, is having a bowel movement only every three or more days, according to CNN, has been linked with a 73% higher risk of subjective cognitive decline. Uh, according to research presented when, uh, this past Wednesday at the Alzheimer's Association International Conference in Amsterdam. Uh, so, well, so, uh, eat your fiber, folks. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Keep that brain and them bowels nice and lubricated. Do not deny yourself. Just go. Because if you don't go, you'll be stupid. 
Yeah, you'll get poop brain. You'll get poop brain, yes. I saw a commercial before we started recording, too, for some sort of product. I swear to God, I thought it was called poop, but it's called, like, poof. It's P-O-O-P-H. Oh, well, yeah, that's not going to get made fun of at all. I was trying to figure out, like, what what is, uh, uh, I guess it's, like, it's an odor remover, and, uh, you can use it in different things. I don't know if it's intentional that it's called poof. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, for a second, I'm like, oh, all right. We as a society have officially run out of things to peddle because we're <laughs> now advertising poop. Yeah. Okay. This shit is delicious. <laughs> this shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. And finally, for my stream of consciousness, before we jump into um, less serious topics, uh, a fellow show on the Solid Listen Podcast Network, Trend Lightly, I learned uh, from uh, Molly and Tiffany uh, last week that apparently on YouTube, you can show your bare asshole on YouTube so long as you're doing it for educational purposes. Interesting. And the video I was shown was of a dude who I, he just like turned around right in front of the camera and just spread his cheeks. And what was the educational purpose that you were learning? Uh, I believe it was uh, uh, trimming hair and uh, prepping the nether regions for certain activities. Uh, Oh, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of hole in this video, which was on YouTube. If I didn't quite uh, get that point across, that's fascinating. Yeah, it just I guess it, you have at to. At that moment, did you decide uh, I have to find an educational purpose? <laughs> 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 this is happening. Deuce Day is making its return. Hell yeah! Oh man, if only if only we uh, if only technology was as simple now as it was in two thousand eight in the height of Deuce Day. <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess you have to disclaim at the beginning of the video that what you're what you're doing is for educational purposes, and you have to like have mm-hmm. it written down in the YouTube description. Like, you, yeah, th- there have to be a lot of disclaimers. But once you do that, you're fine. Yeah, it's it's funny. It it is interesting to me, like the loopholes you can get around for these like censor- censorship uh, rules. Like um, ContraPoints, one of my favorite YouTubers, just released a new video about um, psychedelic experiences and hard drugs. And uh, throughout the video has repeatedly said, I just want to make clear when I say things like I did acid, I'm talking about doing acid in Minecraft. And when I say (laughs) things about my in-depth real life psychedelic experiences, I'm talking about mystery chemical X, which is completely legal. Wasn't uh, (laughs) chemical X what was used to create the Powerpuff Girls? Yeah, I think you're right. Along with uh, sugar spice and I believe everything nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, what would have been comical is if the video in question that I was, I was, uh, uh, well, I mean, the vi- they linked the video in the description of their podcast episode last mm-hmm. week. So uh, you click on it. I clicked out of morbid curiosity. Oh, boy, would it, would it have just been comical if then there's the little banner at the bottom of the video that says YouTube for kids? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, if good enough for Andrew Tate, good enough for that guy's taint. Oh, jeez, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> there's a I, I saw something on twitter it was a picture of 
what what researchers believe uh, Gollum from the Lord of the Rings would look like if Gollum were a human. And, okay. and my first thought looking at it was amplified by the uh, response to the photo. I was like, bro, that's just a picture of Andrew Tate. <laughs> and it makes sense. Like Andrew Tate, if he had uh, the, that uh, bulging eye disorder that people have, like the, yeah. the, the hunchback from Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's why I guess Gollum would, would look like we're Gollum a human. Interesting. The things <laughs> science can do. Do you have you have any interest in that Gollum game that just came out? I mean, only insofar as I've heard it's one of the worst games ever made and that it's like deeply, deeply funny how bad it is. <laughs> it's you know, it's it's actually kind of refreshing that uh, it's 2023 and mm-hmm. we are still getting like triple A game releases that are making the lists of the worst ever made. Yeah. Cause, cause there's, there's going to be tons of like indie games and small scale mm-hmm. games that are, are just bad. I know one that's been making the rounds is a really bad last of us rip off uh, that you can <laughs> get on the, uh, on the switch mm-hmm. um, that like just straight up uses like it, it's, it's pretty much just the last of us, except in, you're the, the guy that you're playing as it's not Joel. It's some dude who traveled through time. <laughs> he traveled to the future. To stop okay. to stop the zombie apocalypse. He didn't travel to the past to stop it. He traveled to the future. He traveled from a time when there was no apocalypse happening to, <laughs> to the future. Why? I don't even think they know. And then he comes in contact with like the girl who's supposed to be Ellie, and they just straight up used like assets of ellie from the last of us they just like heavily decompressed it so they could get away with lifting it out of another game oh my god and it's uh it looks like so they have a thing called game jam where like game developers like spend a weekend just like programming a functioning game and this looks like the result of like a game jam weekend that yeah. that they then decided to sell on the eShop, which I, I think could actually happen in a uh, probably happens more often than we think because there's a lot of what they call shovelware on the on the eShop. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking up pictures of this knockoff now. That is very funny. Okay. I'm scared. <laughs> um, I thought, thought you're gonna say looking up videos of. Uh, of cornholes for educational oh, purposes. No, not yeah. I'll save that for later. Okay. <laughs> What's the game called? It's called like the last day or something. Uh, let's see. The last hope dead zone survival. Okay. It's got like, at least it's got like a kind of a normal uh, title. Cause remember there was that game, the war Z, which was, yeah, yeah. It had a bunch of controversy around it and ripped off a bunch of things. Yep. And, and then it just, it didn't help that its title made no sense. Yep. Oh man, yeah, this looks fantastic. Yeah, digital yeah. F- digital foundry did a review of it. Like, yeah, yeah, which they they were even like, we don't typically review things like this, but this game is just so bad that we have to. Yeah, there's something like wholesome about that. So, so I it's been really annoying to me since you know GamerGate in like 2014 or 2015, whenever that was, how like. So many big game controversies are stupidly political, right? Like, if you if you talk about some of the like AAA worst games of all time, 
prior to Gollum, people would bring up like The Last of Us Part Two because they don't like that it had multiple female protagonists or one of them was like a buff woman. Um, or they'll bring up like Forspoken, which had a you know a black female protagonist, and people think that oh they're forcing diversity down our throats at the expense of good gameplay. It's like I don't want to fucking listen to all this stupid dumb bullshit politics and arguments about cultural issues and yada yada. I just want to watch a really badly programmed golem fumble around like a rag doll in a poorly constructed environment. <laughs> I just want to have fun with a terrible game. I really liked uh, the developers posted an apology and it's mm -hmm. always great when the developers post an apology about how bad their game is. Yeah. Uh, after it comes out, or like how bad the, the game is performing after it mm -hmm. releases like, Cyberpunk 2077, obviously, it's it's having its No Man's Sky moment, but yeah, um, I mean, it obviously had a, a major apology from CD Projekt Red after it came out because it was unplayable pretty much at yeah. its launch. But the Gollum team releases an apology. They didn't even get the name of the game right in their apology. Yeah, I saw that. They called it like, we're, we, we are sorry for performance of Lord of Ring Gollum. Yep. And and I do feel bad for the people involved because my personal assumption for any situation like this is that you have your programmers and your developers who are really passionate and genuinely want to do a good as job as possible. And then you've got the upper management who's saying, when's it going to be ready by next year? Oh, today? OK, good enough. You know, like they're just trying to shove a product out the door as fast as possible and it's just going to turn out terrible. And now you have these people who genuinely wanted a good game who now have to say, oh, yeah, I'm now tied to having produced the worst video game of all time. <laughs> Please those, hire me. <laughs> I, I guess those poor uh, Gollum developers, too. I, I think that whole studio, uh, I think they either laid off all their staff or they ceased development on future products like the Gollum was dead. I, I don't it was the nail in the coffin for them. And I I if they were expecting any degree of success with it, yeah, they were, they were uh, very much misled. Yeah. And what you just described, I mean, that happened with cyberpunk. Um, mm -hmm. they, they, they were told they had like two years to develop the game and like this game yeah. is not going to take two years to develop. And no man's sky was so ambitious, but I, I, my understanding is Sony was going to pull hello games as funding. If they didn't mm -hmm. get the game out in uh, 2016, uh, yeah, when, when it did come out, but then they were afforded the opportunities to continually update the game since it's been released. And now it's regarded mm -hmm. as one of the greatest games ever made. Yeah. So, you know, I, I will always err on just feeling bad for the actual game designers and blaming the, the company, you know, the, the big wigs. Right. Or poor business planning. It's it's honestly it's always been that way, because think of E.T. for the Atari. Back in back in eighty three, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Warshaw was given six weeks to program the game because he was told it needed to be out by like Christmas of that year. And yep. Spielberg and uh, Atari and Amblin and all these people just they they had no um, concept of how these things worked. I mean, at the time, it made sense. Yeah, they didn't have the concept yeah. of it. But I yeah. mean, Warshaw was able to do it 
He was able to yeah. program a game, a functioning game in six weeks. And what we mm -hmm. got was the equivalent of a, of a game jam project. And Exactly, uh, yeah. I'm sure anyone can program a game in six weeks. It's just the question is going to be, is it a game anyone wants to play? Yeah, you know it's bad when uh, all of the unsold copies of your game end up in a landfill. Yeah, happens to me all the time. <laughs> and when that, so and the landfill thing was a like an urban legend for so long until mm -hmm. it was only within the past decade that they finally uh, unearthed the landfill and they found yeah. all like these just crushed cartridges and crushed ET boxes and like it was real. We've been yep. telling you this whole time it was real. And it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't just ET. It was the the video game crash of '83. People just weren't buying video games, so they just mm -hmm. they had to get rid of them. They had to put them somewhere. So they did the yeah. old. They did what uh, uh, Springfield Garbage Commissioner Homer Simpson proposed, and they just buried it all underground. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then on on the note of technology, uh, James Cameron, who has directed some fairly okay films in his time. <laughs> did an interview with CTV news up in Canada and uh, said with a, a hearty chortle about artificial intelligence and its risks to humanity. He says, quote, I warned you guys in 1984 and you didn't listen. You know, nobody ever listens to James Cameron. He could have told you about how to build a good submarine. You didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> And I, now it's taking him a long time to make films like Avatar 2 took forever mm -hmm. to come out and all of his upcoming projects are just Avatar. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's probably going to die before the fourth one comes out. I mean, he's like in his seventies now, but yeah. uh, he is getting so much attention lately because of Ocean Gate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, uh, you know, at first you think it's kind of funny. You're like, why is, why is the movie guy talking about this? But he's ridiculously qualified, right? Isn't he? He has like an advanced degrees in like oceanography and he's one of the best at living experts on deep sea expeditions. Yeah. He's, he's researched <laughs> this stuff. He's done it himself. Uh, not even just Titanic, but then there's the abyss, which people are, are citing, uh, the, the scene of Michael Bean's demise in that film is pretty much what happened to the people on the uh, on the Titan, mm -hmm. the implosion. Like he doesn't screw around; he knows his shit. We just yeah. no one's giving him any credit because oh, he's just a guy that makes movies. Exactly. Yeah. And he was calling this in uh, he was calling this in 1984 with the Terminator, and and even then that was partially fueled by a fever dream that he had. Which mm -hmm. resulted in the the concept of the uh, endoskeleton, but then uh, just the U.S. Soviet Cold War, the, mm -hmm. the tensions, relations, the nuclear arms race, like the arms they're, they're, race, yeah. The the fact that you know computers were just really starting to take off. I mean, it was the eighties. This is what was on everyone's mind, and yeah, um, I I've been of the mind ever since the first time I saw that movie when I was a kid that this is going to happen to us one day. It's just. Uh, he was predicting what happened in the, the far off future of 1997. <laughs> We're coming up on, um, well, actually Terminator Salvation. We've already passed the year in which that film takes place. It took place in 2018. Wow. But we are, we are fast approaching the year that all the future war scenes take place in the first two films, which is 2029. Damn. Like we're, 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 well, al we're almost there. 
Thanks a lot, James. <laughs> did this to us somehow. Uh, he also talks about the ongoing uh, the writer's strike and now the actor's strike, uh, which... Mm-hmm. So we were talking about the reality shows earlier. Yep. Ack, you're probably going to have to start watching these because that's all we're going to have for a while. Oh, I have no doubt. But eh, there's, there's uh, <laughs> plenty of old shows that I'll go watch. <laughs> now, now, I don't, now, I don't mean to generalize here, but I'm actually surprised that, like... Because you watched RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. So I figured... I figured uh, because that's Bravo, isn't it? Is that the Bravo Network? It, it changes like every season. It's okay. obnoxious. Uh, right now, we watch it on Paramount Plus, but there's been sometimes it's on Amazon, sometimes it's on I don't know. Okay, <laughs> it, it like hops back and forth between like three different services. Okay, all right. I don't, I don't mean to be the the oh, if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, then you better be watching Real Housewives of wherever the fuck. <laughs> but um, I, I'll even be honest. I was resistant to Drag Race for a long time just because I'm not into like the. All the like manufactured drama they always try to do, you know, the the camera edits and all that try to play up like, oh, this character's the villain this season and stuff like that. I- I'm always like just kind of annoyed by that sort of thing. So for, for many, many years, Stephanie was watching it and I would just kind of like half pay attention. But it, it finally in the past few seasons started to like grab my attention <laughs> enough that now I actively watch it. Okay. Like, and, and yeah, the reality show aspect is still kind of annoying, but at least there's still like fun performances and like, they make me laugh and have good outfits and stuff. So, okay. You know, I, I, I can appreciate that. Now I've said this before. I'll say it again. I got into Vanderpump rules because I, re- I was really excited at the prospect of getting laid and, um, <laughs> Uh, I wanted to find common ground with my partner and mm-hmm. I just ended up getting sucked into the, the show that I, I had heard of, but thought it was all about like college frat bros. And I guess that was my, yeah, I was picturing like an O'Doyle rules, except his name is Vanderpump. <laughs> it's going to going Vanderpump, Vanderpump. Like, that's just what I figured that show was about. <laughs> Goodbye, Kyle. <laughs> well, anyway, about the writer's strike uh, and the actor's strike, Cameron told CTV uh, he was he was talking about AI because mm-hmm. the, the the prospect of having AI write scripts has been coming up mm-hmm. now because uh, you know, you, well, you don't want to pay the humans uh, yeah. livable wages to do it. Well, then we'll just have the robots do it instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. He says, uh, the article says, Cameron said he doesn't believe the technology is or will soon be at a level of replacing writers, especially because, mm-hmm. quote, it's never an issue of who wrote it. It's a question of, is it a good story? Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with that. And I mean, uh, you can you can rub my face in this if by next year the uh, best Oscar goes to uh, uh, Rhydobot 5000. But um, <laughs> as of right now, like, Every single instance I've seen of like an AI generated anything that, you know, you'll see like tech bros on Twitter say like, oh, my God, Hollywood is over, man. This is the future. And it's garbage. It's just like or the best they can do is like so ridiculous that it's funny because it's like clearly a robot failing to understand basic human (laughs) uh, like concepts. But if you're actually trying to pass it off as written by a human i don't think it works i think it's obvious and now i don't think that means that like the big companies are gonna try it like 
you better believe that like WB and all, all these other like production companies, they're going to start coming out with big budget movies written by AI, thinking that'll save them money. I just personally believe those movies will bomb horribly. Everyone will instantly know, oh, yeah, it was written by an AI and it sucks. And then they'll stop trying because it will have failed miserably the first few times. That's that's my guess. I mean, I, I can see them using AI to write a script. And I mean, it, right now, if look at like the output that chat GPD does. It's so obvious mm-hmm. that AI wrote it. The computer wrote it. It's yeah, it, it lacks it lacks the human touch. It's just so obvious, even when it's written. Yeah, it's very generic. Yeah. And, and and like, again, I'm not anti-AI. I think there are cool ways to use AI. I think writers can use AI to augment their own ideas or to do research or to, you know, like say, hey, chat GPT, tell me about how uh, 15th century peasants would react in this situation, you know, like to, to, to flesh things out better. But I don't think it's ever going to be able to be a one-to-one replacement of the human mind. I think if we get to the point where AI is writing scripts, then they will still use humans. Uh, there will still be some human aspect to it, mm-hmm. but they'll, you know, they'll underpay people to review the scripts and be script doctors. Right. So the, yeah. the, effectively going in and saying, okay, this was very obviously written by a, a bot Mm-hmm. let's now go in and try to, to, to human humanize yeah, it or, or some, QA uh, it. interns in there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, I, I have no doubt at all that, that the production companies are going to try some bullshit, which is why part of the strike, they're trying to get provisions in there uh, to protect their jobs from, from being taken by AI. I was thinking of the, uh, the grand theft auto, uh, definitive edition, definitive edition. It came out mm-hmm. last year, I think it was, or a couple of years ago now. Which was, uh, we're talking about worst games ever made. I mean, you like my asshole always holding up shit. Take take a good game and then uh, put it in the hands of AI. Yeah. To try to to try to uh, polish it up because that's what happened is that oh man they used AI to to uh, go through all the games and upscale the textures and upscale pretty much everything mm-hmm. and then they had the the human developers go in and basically spot check the work to make sure that it like did what it was supposed to do mm-hmm. but. I, 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 the, the QA process really wasn't all that intensive because they really, I guess, just checked to make sure there wasn't any like horrific disfigurement and didn't really yeah. look at the granular details. And my favorite, and they had to release an update to patch this and fix it. My favorite was in San Andreas, one of the, the like the donut shops, and it's based off mm-hmm. that famous one in Los Angeles with the giant donut on the roof. The yep. fucking donut was square. <laughs> I remember you sending me that. Yeah. And it's all because the AI saw it and was like, the AI is just going to, you know, make an attempt. That's all it's going to yeah. do. It's, it's going to make an attempt. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and, it's, it's like it's like with hands and those AI generated images. You can always tell by looking at the hands. Yep. Uh, well, Cameron actually said what you just said a couple minutes ago. Cameron said, quote, let's let's wait 20 years. And if an AI wins an Oscar for best screenplay, I think we've got to take them seriously. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's, and if that happens, well, okay. If they're, if they're winning Oscars, then they've become self-aware. That's kind of has become self-aware. The, yeah. ta- the takeover so, so, begins. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm obviously, I'm always open to the possibility that I'm wrong. I think if there's one constant in this universe, it's that I'm, I'm usually full of shit and don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, uh, secondary to that, I believe that, uh, it's unlikely to me. It strikes me as unlikely that the the interesting aspects of stories uh, can be replicated by an AI. Um, you know, it can generate generic prompts. It can do kind of the sitcom level of, you know, Johnny comes home and finds that Betty has glued all the plates together. Wacky hijinks. But like the the zigzagging of suspense plots or the complex levels of character development or, you know, Jimmy McGill feeling simultaneous guilt and elation at the death of his own brother kind of stuff. Like, I just feel like telling AI to do that and it's going to go like, okay, here is a one page incredibly generic uh, coloring book version of that. Yeah. where, where, Where it says Jimmy loves his brother. Yeah. And they get along and there's yeah, absolutely and just, and not really be able to flesh out those really interesting peaks and valleys in there. I think that's all uh, a level of human experience is required to really understand what's so interesting about all that. And according to AI, Charles McGill is a man of no mental illness whatsoever. <laughs> that's when you know it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. It requires that human touch for uh, John to come home and smack the shit out of Betty for... <laughs> gluing the plates together the ai wouldn't go that far i don't know why gluing the plates together was the only sitcom scenario i can think of i don't think that's ever happened uh okay uh i need to figure out why i was told earlier that i am a slut mm-hmm. i have to figure that out am i still okay. a slut i gotta take it on the other side I thought I had that queued up farther back, but okay. Anyway, I'm going to go figure that out. And when we come back, let's uh, talk about North Korea. All right. We will return. Stick around. Hardly Focus presents the Ack and Jack Show. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. 
As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You are listening to the Solid Listen Podcast Network. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. You are listening to The Ack and Jack Show. I'm going to keep it 55 straight. Presented by Hardly Focused and the Solid Listen Podcast Network. If that doesn't make you a fan, I don't know what does. It was a slight on my honor, so he deserved it. But we're talking about the most brilliant mind this world has ever seen. See, see, see. Hey, we're the Ack and Jack Show. We're a part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. You can find us at ackandjack.com. That is A-C-C and Jack.com. Chris Ackiardi, Jack Gill, uh, the country of North Korea. 
continues to exist and continues to uh, try their best to frighten everybody. And I don't know who in their right mind would ever want to willingly visit North Korea. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's there's a guy named Travis King who's in the news because he has done just that. (laughs) <laughs> he uh, well there, there's a whole story behind this and I, and I called this from NPR but I mean I get I, it was either yesterday Wednesday or Tuesday I can't remember but getting a a, a text alert or a, or a news alert from the AP about someone who an American who was caught in North Korea and is being held captive and there were no details beyond it mm-hmm very quickly, the details have now emerged. It's a 23-year-old uh, private uh, first class uh, who uh, was already facing military sanctions because I guess he's just uh, not a good person. <laughs> he's really? A, he's a, a soldier <laughs> being a not a great person? I'm stunned. He's a, he's a rambunctious youth. Uh NPR says the 23-year-old Travis King had been stationed in South Korea but had recently served two months in a prison there on charges of assault. Several Whoops. several South Korean media outlets report that King had punched a South Korean national in a club last September. He had also been fined 5 million won, which is uh, almost for $4,000 USD. 5 million won? Oh, $4,000. Okay. <laughs> Uh, for causing public damage and being uncooperative with police during his arrest. So I guess he was uh, being flown uh, back to the U.S. so he could uh, face his lashing. Mm-hmm. And while he was at the airport, somehow got out of whatever uh, escort he was part of found a tour that was heading for the uh, demilitarized zone, mm-hmm. blended in somehow, and then while they were at the border between South Korea and North Korea, just decided to Naruto run into North Korea. That's amazing. Like, I love the thought process there. I'm sick of the uptight rules of the United States and South Korea. You know where they appreciate a free spirit like mine? Glorious Democratic People's Republic of North Korea. But 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 it's got democratic right in the title. <laughs> uh, according to NPR, one member of the tour group described the incident on a now-deleted Facebook post saying that King laughed loudly then ran between two buildings and eventually into North Korea. So like he literally just like Dr. Robotnik did it and just tries to kick up some dust as he runs yep. <laughs> smoke bomb. Sir, you didn't have a smoke bomb. You just said the word smoke bomb, Shh, smoke bomb <laughs> pockets in sha. <laughs> he tries to kick up the dust in such a way that it like it spells the word poof <laughs> as, as he runs uh and he, he ran so fast that his legs momentarily turned into a treadmill and made a sound <laughs> it's like song to hedgehog <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh the article concludes it's still unclear whether king planned his escape into north korea or whether it was something he did on a whim uh, some experts say it's a trip to the, just the trip to the demilitarized zone takes days of planning. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this guy strikes me as an idiot. Yeah, maybe a little bit, a little bit nuts though. And he did this spontaneously. Like, obviously, he knows that North Korea is pretty much walled off from the rest of the world, and there's 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 all the ways in, but no ways out. And I don't know what he was thinking he would accomplish by doing this, but now it's it's a humanitarian uh issue because yeah. whenever <laughs> when, whenever Americans get detained in North Korea uh you you get like the all the high levels of government involved pleading with North Korean government mm-hmm. to like re- no matter how much of an asshole this guy is we technically have to bring him home right <laughs> there's only one man who can save him Dennis Rodman. Uh, It still like scares me. Well, two things scare me. One, that Otto Warmbier, was it? The guy that he like stole a poster during a, during a tour of North Korea. He was an an American. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then died upon being released. Um, So that scares me. And the other thing that scares me too, is those videos of like people were getting, Americans were getting tours of North Korea and they like went into a, a library or something and it was, or it was like a cyber cafe and all the people that were in there were like actors and oh yeah were, were put in front of the computers but none of them knew how to use the computers right and like one guy was just sitting there like scrolling up and down on like just a a web page to mm-hmm. make it look like he was doing something oh they just they're so robotic out there yeah oh definitely it's pretty creepy so totalitarian authoritarianism man not even once. Now you introduced me to uh, someone who has spoken out about this, who is a, I, I guess, a refugee of North well, Korea. Before we get into that, I do uh, on the subject of uh, Travis King. I want to talk about another um, another guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. A guy named Lord Miles. Um, I've got a self-description of him here. When you asked earlier who would go to North Korea, he seems like the kind of guy. Uh, He's a YouTuber who brands himself as a danger tourist who travels to various war-torn places worldwide. Uh, He made headlines during a previous trip to Afghanistan where he was evacuated from the country shortly after the fall of Kabul in 2021. Uh, He returned to Afghanistan recently and has since uh, been taken prisoner by the Taliban. <laughs> An um, idiot, really? <laughs> and so um, it gets better. He recently tweeted from his account, allegedly, I'm going to read this for you. Okay. This is a friend of Lord Miles to give an update. Four months in Taliban custody. He's treated very well, has several servants, lots of movies on his laptop, goes on picnics and has tea with the cabinet governor. He still loves Afghanistan. He went to Afghanistan for the fifth time to open a gold mine. We reckon he will still succeed. We will see him in a month or two. From what we've heard, he's having fun, and the Taliban are very kind and fair. Lord Miles has excellent positive stories to tell, and upon returning home, stating, stating, I I haven't been this relaxed in years. Lovely to get away from it all. Um, I saw another quote. God. 
there, this is a whole tweet thread, but at one point it mentioned that he has been playing a lot of Team Fortress 2. <laughs> um, I mean, so have I. Well and, and, and uh, the overwhelming response to this from what I've seen is, yeah, he's dead. Um, the reaction being, you know, boy, he would tweet this himself if only he weren't having so much fun. Yeah. Uh, it, it strikes me as the kind of guy who also will uh, tell you that uh, September 11th never happened. It was all. Yeah, well, I, I believe before this most recent trip to Afghanistan, he made some comment about like, oh, yeah, uh, Afghanistan is safer than most American cities. Uh, well, yeah, he's now gone missing in Afghanistan. So, yeah, I Good luck to you, sir, I have. I've read accounts from Americans who have lived in like Baghdad, for example, hmm. and have talked about like, okay, it's not the worst place you could live so long as you never leave your dwelling. And if you hear bombs exploding, then, mm -hmm. you know, don't go outside. Right. Like, like why would it, why would anyone do this? And if you're doing it just to get Twitter followers, that's yeah. just a whole new level of stupid. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm not a, you know, wishes ill on anyone kind of guy. Generally, uh, I hope this guy is alive and gets home safe. Um, but let's just say I'll be surprised if, uh, the Taliban prison guard who wrote his Twitter thread for him is being 100% honest about what a good time he's having under Taliban custody. Uh, oh my God! Uh, hold on, I gotta get this this going here. I gotta get this fired up. Uh, Kevin Mitnick has passed away. The hacker. Oh wow! Wow! Uh, free, free Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, uh, passed away. Uh, due to pancreatic cancer, he passed away on July 16th. Wow! Well, rest in peace. Damn, I was I was looking up um, uh, the the Team Fortress Two tweet, mm -hmm. which I found. Yeah, but then I saw that Kevin Mitnick was trending. Oh and, yeah. yeah, that's usually not good. Yeah, and the first uh, tweet that I the first tweet that I found, it's so appropriate. It's the free Kevin bumper sticker, and it just says mm -hmm. "Rest in peace, Kevin." Yeah. Uh, yeah, you would see free Kevin everywhere. It's even mentioned in Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah, and I, I remember that. That's I, where I learned about him. I used to write it down on everything and then found out later on that he had already been free for several years. Um, so it lost I, its relevance at that point. I may have told you this already. I had to do a uh, company-mandated IT safety course, and it was hosted by Kevin Mitnick. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, he, like in like, real time? Uh, no, no. It was like a recorded video of him. But he was like, hi, I'm famous hacker Kevin Mitnick. I'm going to tell you all about the hackers who want to get your company's information and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so for the unaware, uh, Kevin Mitnick, I think was I think he was one of the first computer hackers to be uh, arrested and uh, put in federal prison for hacking. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of outrageous claims made about him that 
where can be circled back to kind of like we were talking about earlier with James Cameron and AI Mm -hmm. and, uh, and all that it's things because people were just so ignorant about how computers work. This rumor spread that Mitnick had the ability to launch all of the, the U S's nuclear weapons just by, uh, whistling Mm -hmm. into like a, a, a certain frequency into a phone. Yeah. And he was eventually released from prison. I think he was actually put in, uh, supermax. Yeah. Uh, in solitary confinement, but then he was eventually released and then worked for the government because then that's what happens. You, mm-hmm. you, you, if you do well enough, then the the government then hires you because, like, look, you apparently know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he also had a cameo appearance in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Yep. Uh, on the uh on the talk station where he talks about um uh being able to launch nuclear missiles just by whistling. Mm-hmm. So, damn, that stinks, man. He was uh, only, I think he was only 60, not even. Wow, let's, yeah. Let's see. Uh, wow, oh, wow, he was less than a month away from turning 60. Damn. Well, rest in peace, Kevin. Yep, freed from this mortal coil. The uh, the obituary even mentions, uh, Kevin was also very grateful for the legions of fans who in the mid to late 1990s fueled the global free Kevin movement. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. Quite a legacy. Uh, his time, the obituary also says his time on the FBI's most wanted list was well documented in his New York Times bestselling book, The Ghost in the Wires, My Adventures as the World's Most Wanted Hacker, and his other mm-hmm. books, The Art of Deception, The Art of Intrusion, uh, and The Art of Invisibility. And Little Mickey Goes to Washington, his children's <laughs> book. I remember there was a, a show that starred Jason Alexander that it was one like one of the many attempts that like the cast of Seinfeld had tried after Seinfeld ended. And the show, I think, was simply called Bob Patterson. But I mm-hmm. distinctly remember the commercials like mentioned. He's like, you know Patterson from his self-help books. I know more than you, and I still know more than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin emerged from his final prison term, which he deemed a vacation in January 2000. That, wow. that, that's, yeah. how, that's how you know you're a badass when you call it a vacation. Yeah. Um, uh, he became a white hat hacker, a security consultant, uh, established uh, the successful Mitnick Security Consulting, and became that was ch- probably who they had do our. Uh- company thing oh i didn't know this he uh, became the chief hacking officer in part owner of security awareness training company no before yeah that's it that's the company no before okay yeah i get that's uh, who does our yeah i get emails from them like every week i don't in my current place i don't get uh those emails but i used to get them on a weekly basis at wb mm-hmm. and we uh i don't maybe i saw the same thing with kevin i don't know because we, we had to do all those uh those it trainings as well yeah so Damn. Yeah, we have we get I have to do them like every two months. We get a new one uh, that we have to watch and they are painful. Oh, d- d- yeah. Yeah. I mean, people like they try to make them fun. Yeah, exactly. Like that's worse, man. Please don't make them fun. <laughs> the uh, most recent one was about deep fakes and it was hosted by an extremely bad Christopher Walken impersonator who Jesus after Christ. after 2 minutes of really bad Christopher Walken impersonations went, "Surprise, I'm not really Christopher Walken. Surprised you didn't die." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and they and they spent millions of dollars to make this too, I guarantee you. <laughs> Reminds me of the uh, really bad uh, 
videos that we had to watch in driver's ed like this one. No zones. Stay out of the no zones. Oh yeah, I had to do I had to watch those. Or it's or it's like a fast food training video. Mm -hmm. the, the Wendy's ones always show up from like the 80s that were like theatrical productions. <laughs> uh and my favorite when I when I worked at WB, my favorite was they would send out and I, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago cuz Zach was here and he was he was um saying the same thing. Ack, you might have actually this is when you disappeared, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh but our IT would send out emails uh, that were uh like fake phishing attempts and the link in there like you would click the link yeah and then it would take you to a web page that would just be like hey you're a fucking idiot for clicking on this yeah and then they would like in the they'd follow up like a couple days later with a list of all the people who clicked on the link to publicly shame them for yeah. being like hey so obviously you don't uh pay attention to any of the IT security trainings that you're required to do several times a year exactly yeah they do the exact same thing at our firm well, well, we lost a good one. Kevin Mitnick. Rest in yep. peace. Uh, I have uh, lost the tweet that I was going to bring up. Here it is. It's from July 17th uh, at Real Lord Miles. Going back to what we were talking about. Jabroni uh, partying with the Taliban. It says, he speaks like he's on holiday. He's sunbathing, playing Team Fortress 2, writing his second book, reading T.E. Lawrence, exercising, has chocolates and cake, etc. He's made friends with the Taliban he's with. He says he's been invited to some weddings. Wow, I wish I were being held captive by the Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> How come I don't have cakes and chocolates? <laughs> you, I mean, you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. Well, yeah, I uh, align with your sentiment, Ak, that uh, I, I would hope that this stupid asshole gets released safely, but yeah. because he's a stupid asshole, he's probably dead. Yeah, I would not at all be surprised, yeah, but I, we'll see. We'll, we'll wait for it. They said like two months or so he'll be released. So let's wait for that. I guess there's gotta be some maniac out there. Who's like, well, we never saw the beheading video. So how do we know that he's dead? Yeah. Well, bro, it's not 2004 anymore. We're well past that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but get you the hits you used to <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so now everyone's too busy looking at buttholes. <laughs> uh, okay. So then there's this, uh, woman who defected from North Korea. Her name is, mm -hmm. is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Yeon me park. I want to say young me, young me, young okay. me park, I believe. Okay. And what do you know about her? Um, so she is a genuine, um, defector from North Korea. She, she went to South Korea as a young adult. Um, and actually, uh, from my understanding, got her claim to fame on a popular South Korean reality show, um, that predominantly featured like pretty young North Korean girls reintegrating into South Korean society. And they're like escapades and then the wacky hijinks they get into uh, when you're no longer under the uh, iron thumb of, of the Kim dictatorship. But um, in recent years, her claim to fame has been, been among the American right wing as she's gone on, uh, you know, the podcast of people like Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro and uh, Joe Rogan to talk about how uh, cancel culture, woke culture 
and uh, American leftism is turning America into worse than North Korea. And as she's made these claims, people have started to notice that some of her stories about North Korea have been a little weird and don't seem to actually align with reality. And it's a tough situation because I absolutely don't want to hand it to North Korea. You know, like that famous drill tweet regarding my previous comments on the terror group ISIS. You do not under any circumstances have to hand it to them. Um, I feel that way about this, where it's like, I'm not saying you got to hand it to North Korea. But still, the woman does appear by all accounts to be basically lying egregiously in order to push this sort of right wing anti wokeism agenda. So there was an article that I was reading uh, from. Oh, where was I? It was the Washington Post is one you sent me. Yak. And yeah. uh, what's his name? Andre Lankov. Mm-hmm. So he's a professor of South Korean's. Kukmin, I'm going to say Kukmin, I'm probably also violently mispronouncing that, Kukmin University, uh, who made the first of his many research trips to the North Korea in the 1980s. So he's been one of, I guess, many people who've been disputing Park's claims. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, now it doesn't say uh, when he, when, when Lenkov most recently went to North Korea, but if his visits were only exclusively in the 1980s, I mean, that's 40 years ago upwards. Like, yeah. do you think things have changed much in 40 years in North Korea? Probably minimally. Well, actually, I, I was reading that there's a hotel that was uh, construct, construction started on it in 1987. Mm-hmm. And it's been still in a perpetual state of construction since then. It's like one of the largest oh structures in Pyongyang. And it's yep. completely empty. Uh, well, you've been banned from our Pyongyang. <laughs> so, um, okay, yeah, yeah, not much really has changed. But yeah, he's one of the many who's disputed some of uh, Park's claims here. Yeah, she said that. Uh, uh, well, first she she had a statement say about Travis King getting into North Korea, and she says, "Well, she says, quote, I hope more people who hate America defect to North Korea." Yeah. And I mean, I I was thinking of that quote when we were talking about King, because it doesn't seem like by any account he hates America. It just seems like he's kind of a moron. (laughs) Like it wasn't a, ah, I reject the imperialist capitalism of the United States hegemony. I now go to become a North Korean citizen so much as it was. Ooh, what's this border? (laughs) (laughs) It's a squirrel. Come here, squirrel. Come here, squirrel. Next thing you know, he's in prison. North mm-hmm. Korea and he no longer exists. Yeah. But yeah, some of her uh her her past claims were that uh North Korea has only one train and because there's no electricity in North Korea, it has to be pushed by people uh push the train. Um uh. she claims that um <laughs> due to hunger, children eat rats, but sometimes the rats eat the children. Um she has claimed that parents feed their children mud. Um, and, and again, I'm not trying, I'm not making fun of any of this to paint North Korea as a good place. It is a bad place. It's just, you're not doing anyone any favors by making things up that are demonstrably untrue, right? You're not, you're not helping the, the make North Korea a better place 
uh, by by lying about the bad things that happened there. It it sounds like she starts by like telling the truth, mm-hmm. and then she just can't tell the truth a hundred percent. It then has to devolve into a, an outrageous claim. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. And I think you know you do have this kind of uh, virulently anti-socialist crowd now the american right which has a lot of very successful grifters like again jordan peterson ben shapiro uh joe rogan um and i can see why they would have a vested interest in having someone like this to say see see you for first you don't let us give talks about the jew problem at cal pen and next thing you know you're going to be north korea (laughs) so Uh, yeah, the first thing I saw of her, I keep seeing an image of her showing up uh, when she was on Joe Rogan. So, I mean, that, yes. that tells so, you a lot right there. When I read the article, my first thought was, oh, it's that lady from the memes, because uh, it, it became popular for a while to post that picture of her talking to Joe Rogan with often um, fake captions added like, um in North Korea, I eat rats to survive, but eating is illegal. So the police come to arrest me, but they are hungry too. So then they take my rats. <laughs> 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 or uh, in North Korea, the secret police will paint the image of a tunnel on the side of a mountain and then tell people to run into the tunnel as fast as they can. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that's a conspiracy in and of itself. And that's being fueled by the Acme Corporation, okay? <laughs> yeah. Just so they can pedal and push their TNT sales. Uh, so and then, you know, sometimes there will be, like, another post that will just be, like, basically nonsense. Like, uh, someone tweeted, uh, on Zorp, we smoke one million weed forever. And someone will just superimpose a picture of her with a speech bubble encapsulating that comment. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, Washington Post here, uh, w- one of Park's claims, it, she's making it se- seem like the North, uh, the North Korea, that they're actually just Borg. It says, yeah. uh, Park often claims that North Koreans don't have a word equivalent to I mm-hmm. and that they must resort to using the first person plural. We are not allowed to say I, she said in a 2021 podcast appearance. We say we like water. Mm-hmm. They're the Borg. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, so that's what's going to happen to King. He he is being assimilated right now. He's he's yep. going to become king, lacinctious of Borg. <laughs> I was trying to think of it first, <laughs> uh, but of course, Andrei Lenkov, the professor, disputed that notion. It says it's just a normal part of speaking Korean uh, in South Korea as well, among the older generation, at least. Yeah. Um, same with her claim that there is no word for love in Korean, uh, which you know is pretty easy to dispute right um and, and again i don't want anyone to be listening to this and thinking ah you you're pr- you're so pro north korea no it's a fucking hellhole you couldn't pay me enough to go there but that doesn't mean that every grifter who says anything bad about north korea needs to be taken at face value i'm gonna log people in can, people can still lie <laughs> watch i'm gonna log in a megaphone and i'm gonna look at the uh the demographics for the show and like north korea is gonna be number two <laughs> so washington post here says uh something else about uh that park claims something about 
if you don't clean the the framed photos that you have of the Kim yeah. family, then yeah, you if can they're get too arrested. dusty. Yeah. And the article says, Lankov argues that this is a convoluted distortion of one of the real-life grotesqueries mm-hmm. of North Korean life. Citizens there are required to undergo routine self-criticism sessions right. in which they publicly confess to personal failings. I do this every goddamn day in the shower. It, does yeah, that make exactly. Me, does that make is me that a North not, Korean? Is that not just what life is every moment criticizing yourself? This sounds like when I was forced to have to go to confession my, oh my boy, father yeah. would make me go to church. Like, you have to go to confession. I'm like, well, I have nothing to confess. Mm-hmm. I, I just, like, make shit up. And be like, uh, well, father, I, uh, I, I killed a man. <laughs> I coveted my neighbor's wife. Yes, I'm eight <laughs> years old, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I broke the 11th commandment. <laughs> uh, it goes on to say, some out of pressure to come up with something to say end up falling back on an absurdly minor offense that will let them off with a minor punishment, such as inadequate maintenance of their shrine to the Kims. Yeah. So, like, it's still horrible that they have to have a shrine to the dictator. It's still horrible that that's a crime worth punishing if, uh, you know, you don't take appropriate care of it. Saying people are executed for it doesn't seem to be true. Yeah. And you're not doing your own cause of being anti-dictatorship by muddying the waters about what's true and what isn't. This It, it sounds like a Yakov Smirnov skit. Like the in, in Soviet Russia, mm-hmm. like one of those. Yeah. But North Korea, too, is just very bizarre and frightening yeah it's scary enough that you know i can see people why they believe anything you'd say about it what what fascinates me is that now i mean the the, the, this whole part of the world is all sorts of fucked up because like if you think about like afghanistan and you think about iraq and there's that whole part of the middle east that just it's nowhere is safe pretty much Mm-hmm. But then, like, think of a place like South Korea, which is so technologically advanced, and we're getting such great media out of North Korea. We're getting music. We're getting we're getting great films and, and shows. Oh, the K-pop stands, man. Yeah. Oh, They're uh, fucking nuts. Uh, Gotta love them. <laughs> one of the first websites I check every day is uh, the NME from the UK because, you know, they're, they're in the UK, so obviously they're going to be, you know, running articles by the time I wake up, but they, they report a lot on uh, Korean artists that I've never heard of, but that's just because mm-hmm. it's, it's really taken off, but it's yeah, all it's massively popular. It's all exclusively South Korean yep. uh, for, for obvious reasons. But I, I mean, you get like Hyundai, you get, you, you have all the, the car manufacturers out there. I mean, there's like, there's so much about South Korea. And then you remember just to the North, just yeah. to the North is North Korea. And yep. and it it's crazy to think that they're just separated by that that border, right? Like it's like it'd be us with, uh, like if Canada was that bad, or more realistically, Canada when we become that bad, right? Or um, well, I mean, we're kind of we're, imagine living in Georgia, right, and then being next to Florida. Yeah, Ugh. but I uh, I'm at least if you go into Florida though, you're not going to be held captive and have your uh, existence erased. 
so far. I mean, and you know, so long as you're not trans, right? I mean, or, uh, or pregnant, <laughs> a, lot or, of, a lot of other terrible things could happen, or but. not white, or yeah. I mean, look, it's obviously not as bad as North Korea. I joke, but there are absolutely politicians in America with an active interest in making things as dictator dictatorial as possible and as unpleasant for uh whom that groups they desire they deem undesirable yeah so do you do you, you know. do you think that a nuclear war will eventually break out between north korea and either us or some other superpower it's not like on the top of my list of concerns no i mean i think if if anyone is at risk these days it's russia russia uh but no i i i'm not he kept awake at night with the fear of nuclear war. Okay. Personally. Um, okay. I'll tell you who is though. James Cameron. <laughs> Still, well, he's probably smarter than me. What, what irritated me about, I don't know if you ever saw Terminator dark fate. Um, and that was Doubt the, it. that was the most recent one. I don't know if I ever even saw anything after, uh, what salvation. Is that the fourth one? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I only ever saw Salvation. I never saw like any of the TV series or anything. I never saw the TV series. The I guess it, I guess that's like a cult hit, and I and I also think it's funny that uh, uh, there's a couple of people from uh, Game of Thrones who were involved yeah, in yeah. the Terminator series. Amelia Clark, yeah. But uh, Genesis is awful. Don't don't bother Genesis. Dark Fate is. I really liked Dark Fate because apparently I'm the smartest person alive. And I'm the only person who thought back to a quote from the first Terminator where Kyle Reese says, quote, one possible future. So, right. So dark, yeah. dark fate should be looked upon as just a possible future that branched off from what happened in Terminator 2. But people are just looking at it and saying, ah, yeah. John Connor dies at the beginning. This makes Terminator 2 all for naught. But, yep. uh, what irritates me though is that even though it's like a, it's a separate timeline and they claim that like judgment day never happened well then they go on to show a world that was affected by nuclear war where pretty much the exact same thing ends up happening it's just a different ai takes over but it's the right. same thing the ai yeah. creates robots to take over the world that are uh poised to eradicate humanity and it all starts with a nuclear war yep so it's like, it, do it doesn't matter who does it. It doesn't matter if it's robots or it doesn't matter if it's uh, uh, AI. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, uh, Korea. Those are both the same thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's AI or if it's North <laughs> Korea. It's, um, it always starts with a nuclear war. Yep. So, uh, well, uh, I learned that uh, Youngmi Park is uh, a habitual liar. Yeah. And like kind of tells the truth, but then uh, just fumbles it. And yeah, comes from a good place, but the grift demands ever increasing embellishments. Have you like read or looked up anything with uh, about her book to see just like how egregious the claims are in it? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. Well, I, oh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of her stuff has like a grain of truth in it. I think it's when you get on the podcasts of people who are a deeply credulous uh, and B uh, have a vested interest in painting, uh, you know, uh, uh, an enemy of America as poorly as possible. They're going to either believe or actively encourage 
the most stupid lies you can imagine. I so feel, I, I just like now I, I refuse to listen to Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. But I can just imagine that that podcast being something like, you know, him just sitting there in front of his, his, his fancy mic and just going like, so you're you're from so you're from North Korea. Have you ever been to North Korea? Uh, oh, I love Korean food. Oh, man. You know what else I love? Food in general, man. Yeah. The thing about Joe Rogan, from my understanding, because I do know people who've listened to some of his shows and said he does good episodes, but it all depends on the guest because he uncritically believes everything that's told to him. So if you get like, uh, you know, Bill Nye, the science guy or some, some like guy with a with an interesting expertise to get on there and talk about something they know and it's accurate. And he just goes, wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Wow. And you'll learn a bunch of interesting things from the guest. But then if his guest that week is crazy Steve from behind the gas station <laughs> who wants to tell you all about how the government stole his teeth, <laughs> Joe Rogan will sit there, listen to him and go, wow, wow, that's really crazy. I didn't know the government was stealing people's teeth. Man, he learns something new every day. You know, he just uncritically believes everything told to him. So you really got to just be careful when you listen to the Joe Rogan experience. Dude, it's really fucking sad how his podcast stemmed from Opie and Anthony, right? Like, he was a a regular guest on Opie and Anthony. It was always like when he'd be on there with like Patrice O'Neill and just some of the other like great comedians like Louis CK and all them. It was just, it was always, you know, you were in for a good time mm-hmm. and Oh, how the mighty have all fallen from yeah. this point where, where Rogan is a conspiracy nut and uh, Anthony's become a, like a, a right wing racist. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I love all, don't get me wrong. I mean, I respect, I respect their, craft for what they did in the past Mm -hmm. but i can't support what they're doing now yeah it's like uh yeah um i thank you hp lovecraft for revolutionizing the genre of horror wish you hadn't been such a fucking racist though (laughs) (laughs) like yeah you can kind of you can kind of have both thoughts at the same time i think yeah i mean uh well anthony kumi i think we always knew that you know, he, he was, uh, even if he was just doing it for the laughs, mm-hmm. there was always something wrong there, but yeah, that's, he, he, he would have it backed up though. Like Patrice would always be there. So like, it was always under the guise of, well, Patrice is here, so it's okay. Yeah. But, uh, now Patrice isn't here anymore, so it's yeah. not okay. And they're also all old men now and it's, yeah. it's not as funny. It's not as cute. Yeah. Uh, there was a time when it was like edgy and counterculture, and now it's like, oh, people believe that sincerely. Yeah. Okay, that's not as funny anymore. And the, and the absolute hilarity and irony that you and I are doing this podcast because I listened to Opie and Anthony back in the day and was like, this is cool. Yeah. I want to do this. But, yeah. But but see, we're here and we're talking. We've evolved. We've matured. We are here talking about serious subjects. Show me your butthole! <laughs> Which, uh, remember, true. as long as it's for educational purposes, then you yeah. can do it. You know, well, I, I want... Guess what, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, like, here's... You don't know what my butthole looks like. 
if I'm showing you, that's educational. You've learned something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah. What if I've always, like, there could have been a time in my life when I wanted to be a proctologist. Yeah. What do you think proctologists do all day? Exactly. You got to study a, a multitude. You can't just study one butthole. Yeah. And then think you know all the buttholes. It's like that gorilla song. You literally got to line them up like ass cracks because you got to study. Yeah. And, and you get you got to compare and contrast. Yeah. You have to compare your apples to your oranges. You got to form a hypothesis and then you got to get data. <laughs> and then you got to get Brent Spiner to show you his asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, once I watched porn on YouTube... Really? Uh, yeah, it was someone who just uploaded porn to YouTube and I and I managed to catch it like, you know, within minutes of it going up and it was I I think now they they're they're using AI. They're using technology mm -hmm. to, to Oh yeah, auto detection. They won't upload it. Yeah, but it, this is before that existed and like you actually had to report it and a human had to go in and review it and delete it. So, yeah, I I watched yep. porn once on YouTube and I would, and I walked away from it saying uh I've done this. Neat. Neat. Yeah. I've also, I've seen some pretty scary shit on YouTube as well that was, on, uh, you know, taken down for reasons. But, uh, yeah. you know, of course it shows up on YouTube and it will, you know, someone's going to upload it and it will be there for minutes, just There's long enough for someone to take it in. Man. You ever, all right, I'm going to implicate myself here maybe a little bit. Are you ever in any like online communities with people younger than you? Uh, or is that just like a weird thing that only I do? No, I mean, uh, well, Reddit. I mean, you could either be, uh, you can either be a teenager or you could be a, an octogenarian on Reddit. I mean, I've been mm -hmm. playing Team Fortress too, and there've yeah, like, yeah. very obviously been kids playing it. So yeah, so like, I, I've I'm in some Discord servers, like mostly video game fandom related, with some, and and I'm usually on the older side in them, right? A lot of them are usually like ten plus. Usually they're like age eighteen to twenty four. Mm -hmm. So at this point, going on ten plus years younger than me, and I've noticed that there's a much lesser tolerance for weird, creepy shit on the internet, right? Like someone will post like, "Oh my god." I saw the single most disturbing thing in my life today. And it'll be like some hente porn of like a woman with like a scary mouth for a vagina or something. And I'll be like, that's not that weird. And, and like, like people be freaking out. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I had to look at this. This is the most horrifying thing anyone has ever had to look at in human history. And I'll be like, when I was your age, there were like, people being murdered on camera and Behind. my friends and i re would re regularly watch a man destroy his own anus with a glass jar <laughs> and, women, and women eating shit out of each other's mouths for fun for like jokes do you kids not do that anymore and they'll be like how are you alive how have you not killed yourself with the things you've apparently seen and i'll be like I, this was just what the internet was like back in like the early 2000s Right? It was just like a wild west compared to today. You can master the internet and the world wide web. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I just happen to be talking to like particularly sheltered children. But like it seems like the shit we saw, in often cases literal shit we saw. <laughs> um just like it, it doesn't happen anymore it doesn't happen anymore that's and and like I we're just, we just like we lived through that time.
of of the the, the dark days of the internet. I think we lived. We, we were very clearly in the wild west, and I refer to like the old days of this podcast as being the wild west. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were in the we, we saw the infancy and the 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 dawn and rise of YouTube. And just the things like the early viral things that took off around that time. And what was big in 2007? I mean, you just said it reactions to two girls, one cup. I mean, that was, mm-hmm. you know, that that's what YouTube was for, for a period yeah, of time. That that was mainstream yeah. at the time. And these kids were like five years old then. So they didn't know any of that. I think about like my cousin's kids are, um, you know, they're, they're pretty much teenagers at this point. And, they are still very much into the same things that they were into, like when they were like seven or eight years old, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm looking at like the older one and I'm like, dude, when I was your age, I was like watching like ER religiously and like <laughs> law and order. And like, yeah, I was still like playing Sonic the Hedgehog, but I, I feel like I had a very refined, like mature palate at your age. And here you are, like y- you still got the parental controls on. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And yeah. is that just like, is that just how it is now? Yeah. Now, now I'm starting to second guess things. Yeah. I don't know. I think we, I think the internet growing in popularity and being so unregulated as it was at the exact time we were hitting adolescence probably made for a pretty unique experience for our like exact age group well that said i mean i'm playing team fortress 2 yesterday and someone mentions in chat all i just see is i'm 10 years old you stupid motherfucking asshole <laughs> so maybe maybe some things haven't changed i don't know yeah oh that's true <laughs> yeah no matter how much time goes by whoever you're playing against in an fps has fucked your mother <laughs> it's just it's just a fact of of reality gotta deal with it accept it and move on all right. Well, that is a very good note, a very good uh, existential note to end on. Um, wish me luck, Ak. I'm going to my first country music concert on Friday. Really? Who's playing? Luke Combs at Gillette I, Stadium. I believe. I asked despite knowing I wouldn't know who the answer was. I, I believe it's Luke Combs who's, whose hit song right now is a cover of uh, Fast Car by Tracy Chapman which is uh, it's a very popular song from the eighties and he did a, a cover of it recently. And uh, Tracy's actually getting credit for it. Like she's getting, she's getting credit for his success as she should. I mean, she wrote the song, um, but uh, there's, so there's this great video of um, I think it's, I don't know if it's live aid or, or something else, but it's at a big concert that Stevie wonder was supposed to headline mm-hmm. and Tracy Chapman played like much earlier in the day to a, a uh, smaller crowd. Cause she was, you know, her, I think her, I don't know if her album had even come out yet or like I don't, she was an unknown at the time. Right. Well, Stevie wonder can't make the, the performance. So they send Tracy Chapman back out. And now, you know, the Stevie wonder crowd is there. The, the, right. the, it's sold out. So she's performing fast car, absolute silence. Wow. And she like that, that became like her hit. So, uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's what this guy is. Uh, okay. What, what well, I, Hey, that's what I know fun. of. 
that's what I know of from him. And even then it's not his song, but I've, right. uh, again, yeah, I, that's the one that goes, uh, beat, beat, chug, a chug, a big fast car. Now that's the wiggles. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, again, this goes back to what I mentioned at the beginning of the show that um, there there are just some things you do because you love someone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, who knows? I'll, maybe I'll walk away from it enjoying it, and I'll there I'll have a refined. Hey, always have an open mind. I don't know. My ex wife is into some really weird musical shit now with that guy that she's with. So <laughs> I'll, I'll send her something. Like, hey, did you see Gaslight Anthem put out a new song? And she'll be like, "Fuck you and fuck them." I'm listening to this band that dresses up wearing the, the uh, severed heads of pigs. <laughs> cool. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Ak, thank you very much for being here. Thanks, as always, for having me. It's uh, fun, as always. I'm, I'm very happy that a thunderstorm did not knock out power, as it did last it, time. Wouldn't it be weird if it did, and this were all just you? You go back to what you're like editing this podcast after, and it's just you talking to yourself because my internet cut out 10 minutes in. I couldn't grow up because I died from an accident. Yeah. yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, oh, in honor of Kevin Mitnick, the late Kevin Mitnick. Please! God damn it! Hate this hacker crap! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for listening. We will talk at you next time. See ya. Bye. Goodbye. I'm Ollie Barrett. Manifestation may not have happened.